How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Trying something a little different than I've ever tried before with this headset. And to be honest with you, I, I don't know if it's, I kind of feel like Garth Brooks in a little bit of a way. He always sang with one of those things. So and we're preaching on the river of God this morning. I'm not going to break out in the Garth Brooks river song, but uh, we'll see how we, how we go here. All right, so uh, the song we were just singing, the bridge in that, you know, they just kind of got on me, but when, he was, when we were talking about, you know, come awaken your people, right? And then come awaken the city. You know, that's the thing with God is He wants to awaken the city. He wants to awaken Laurel County, right? But step one is He's got to awaken His people to, to His heart and to what He wants to do uh, in the place. So this morning we're going to be reading from uh, John chapter 7. Um, a couple of scriptures in John. It'll be a familiar scripture. We'll go ahead and we'll get into that. So if you can, if you don't care, just stand with me while we read this. So it's John chapter 7, it's verse 37 through 39. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. I'll give you a second to, to get there. All right. So it says, verse 37 says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture is said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Heavenly Father, I just ask you that this morning, that Father, as we, we talk about the river, as we talk about the outpouring, God, the flow of the Holy Spirit from out of our lives, God, I just pray, Father, that you would just work in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just touch ears, Lord, to hear and to understand and, and to receive this morning. Those things, God, that you would want to say, help my voice, Lord, to carry the, just, just the glory, Lord, the weight of what you want to say this morning. And God, we just welcome you, Lord, into this time of the Word in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. So in John chapter 7, when we begin reading here, uh, it says on the last day of the great day of the feast, the feast that they're talking about, and you can see it, it's earlier in chapter 7, is the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. So the Feast of Tabernacles, um, it, was, it was like this pilgrim feast when they would come in to Jerusalem. It was basically this time where they, they celebrated the presence of God that had dwelled among them in the wilderness. And they would, not only that, but also even the, the, you know, the, the prophesied time, uh, going forward, God would actually come back and dwell among His people. You know, they were looking at this even in Messiah. So it's very interesting that Jesus gets up. It says on that last, that great day of the feast that He gets up in front of them and He says this, that if anyone who thirsts, let him come to Me and drink. He who believes in Me, as the Scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And they touched on this and they said, He spoke this concerning the Spirit whom those believing in Him would receive. So what's very interesting to me about this is that he's doing this during the Feast of Tabernacles, and I never caught this before until I was studying some of this. And when you're looking at the Feast of Tabernacles and the fact that they're basically celebrating the dwelling of God with, with men, he's prophesying of the Holy Spirit that's about to be given to those who would believe in him that he would come and tabernacle with his people. And, and this is just a prophetic statement that he's making here. Uh, so the thing about that is, is you know, when we believe in Christ, um, He comes into our heart, the Holy Spirit, and and guys, just the, just the fact that He's dwelling inside of us, 
I mean, we're looking at like, you've got God dwelling inside of you. You know, you, you've got, you've got, I'm going to move a little bit because these lights are blinding me. I'm sorry. I'm a short guy, so you just kind of do this a little bit. All right. That's much, much better. So in the fact that he, he's telling us right then that he's going to come in tabernacle, he's going to come dwell within his people. He's telling them, hey, I'm going to fulfill this feast in a sense. And he tells us that rivers of living water would flow from out of the believer is going to come out of your heart. So we're going to be talking a little bit today about what that river of living water is and, and, and how that is. So the tabernacle in and of itself was a tent, right? It was a temple. It was a makeshift temple, a tent that would move along uh, with them wherever that they went. So if you want to look at it like this, if you'll receive it, it was a mobile home for the Holy Ghost, okay? The Holy Ghost in a mobile home. So if, if you are a Christian and you've received the Holy Spirit in your heart when you believed in Him, then you are a mobile home for the Holy Ghost. So anywhere that you go, anywhere that your feet trod, right, becomes the kingdom of your God. That's the place where you're at, okay, is where God's with you. And we, we, we sometimes, I don't know about you, you get up in the morning, you're going to work, you're going wherever, and, and you're just, oh, goodness. You know, God, I have to go and deal with these people again, or I have to go deal with these situations again. And, and so many times, you know, we're going into this place, and you've got to understand that you're an extension of the kingdom of God. So when you walk into work, whether you walk into school, whether, wherever it is that you go daily, you are a mobile home for the Holy Ghost. All right, so we're going to talk some about this, this river of living water that comes out of that. So we're going to go on. We're going to, read, uh, uh, we're going to be reading another scripture here out of John. It's chapter 4. It's verses 7 through 15. And this is probably the, the living water scripture that you guys will probably uh, remember the most. It's about the Samaritan woman at the well. So verse 7 says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift of the Holy Spirit, the eternal life, the gift of God, right? that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She said, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? So she's basically saying, right, how are you any better than or have something different to offer than what we're already used to? You know that every day you're around people who don't know anything about God. They don't know what you believe. They don't know what you've encountered. They don't know anything that you've experienced. They don't know the God that you know. They're walking in darkness, right? So, and, and they're looking at everybody, right? If you say you're a Christian, this is what they're, they're basically asking you is, how are you any better then? Or how do, you, do you have anything different than what we've already tasted before? Right? The Word of God said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, how are they going to taste it? We're going to talk some about that. He says, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. So Jesus, in this case, you can see he goes on, and he tells her about 
all of these things that she's done, where she's living at, everything else, because Jesus was the word of knowledge, okay? So he was operating in that, and he's just basically telling her exactly where she was at. Now, this woman had actually come to this, this well. It was about noontime. That was about the hottest part of the day, all right? And you know from the story, he tells her, hey, you know, you've had so many husbands, right? And the one you're living with right now is not, not your husband. He tells her where she's at. He's not doing it to condemn her. He's just letting her know, hey, I know you. I know where you're at. You preached on that just a few weeks ago. I know you. But he, he tells her this, all right? And, and then the interesting part about it is she receives him in understanding that, hey, this is the Messiah. Now, now the Jews in and of themselves, they were not necessarily uh, friends with the Samaritans. They were racist, to be quite honest with you. Uh, they looked at the Samaritans as if they were less than. They were like half-breed Jews, whatever you want to call it. And, and they were not necessarily uh, in the place where um, they even wanted to go and see these people, right? So when he said, I must need to go through Samaria, that in of itself tells you right there that Jesus knew exactly where he was going, who he was going to meet. He knew what time to be at the well. He knew she was coming. He knew that, that she was going to look at him and have a hard time receiving him because he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. But in the fact that she comes there, he was waiting on her. And he tells her, hey, you know what? Your beliefs aren't necessarily right. You know, you don't see God the way that, that we would see him as Jews, right? But, but the thing is this, is that I'm offering to you something that if you'll take it, if you'll receive this, it's going to change your life because you've never tasted anything like this. You've never tasted anything like this. And she looks at him, right? And she says, well, how, how do you, how, what, what is it that you have that's any different from what I've drank before? Now, don't take this too hard, okay? But you know that you go into work every day or that you go into the places that you go every day and that there's people looking at you when you say that you're a Christian and they're watching you, okay? And they're listening to you. And they're trying to decipher exactly, is there anything different about you? They may not know it, but let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, He's flowing out from us every day. I told a group of people one time, how many of you are called to preach? Now, whether you know it or not, every hand in here should have went up. You may not be called to preach necessarily standing in front of people, but every day of your life, you are preaching something. Amen. Everywhere that you go, you're preaching something by the way that you act, by the way that you talk, and that in and of itself is the evidence of what's inside of you. How you react to situations, okay? That's what's flowing out of your life. So when you go into work, all right, and there's a bad situation going on and everybody else is talking negative about somebody, or somebody's having a hard time with somebody, if you blow up and you, and you go off and you do all these other things, now, I'm, I'm not going to say names here, but there was one time I have a friend. He was trying to witness to somebody else at work. And he was just in a place himself. He just needed God himself. You know, and I'm not trying to judge him, but I just knew from even the fruits in his life, he was just, he was wishy-washy. You know, and I'm not trying, like I said, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just trying to use this as an example here. He went to his friend one day, this other guy who, who didn't know the Lord, and he was trying to get him to come to church with him. And he looked at him, and this is what he says. He says, well, why do I need to come to church with you? I'm better than you are. Whether you know it or not, everything that you're doing, you're preaching to the people around you. So what should be flowing out from us, right? Should it be, my, should it be the works of the flesh? We talked about this some on Wednesday night if you were here, right? Should it be those, those things that are inside of me that... That if I don't keep those things under the blood or if I'm not walking in the Spirit, those things that, that, that come out for me, no. It ought to be, we're, we're singing even this morning about pouring out, pouring out, 
Where is He going to pour out from? Where does the outpouring come from? Does it come from somebody in the pulpit? Nope. Maybe. Little. A little bit of that stream might come out of the pulpit. So where's that pouring out going to come from? Huh? So we're praying for revival, right? We want to see God revive a city. We want to see God pouring out in her place of work. How many would you like to see your coworkers saved? Yeah, absolutely, right? Everybody. How many of you have lost family members? Absolutely. Let me. You guys don't know me very well, okay? Uh, I don't know you very well. I know some of you pretty well. Um, but the truth of the matter is this, okay? I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up church, and it's nothing against my upbringing. I had an awesome upbringing. Um, but we just, we just weren't, we didn't know God. I was 16 years old before I heard the gospel. So I wasn't one of these that grew up in church and went through Sunday school all the time. So if I come across a little bit different to you, I'm, I am a little different, all right? I'll just, I embrace my weirdness, okay? I'm a little bit awkward if you can't tell. But it's okay. When I was 16 years old, you know how I heard about the gospel? It wasn't, in, it wasn't necessarily in a church building. It was through another young man who gave his heart to the Lord, and he wasn't perfect. But he started coming to school, and he was telling me about all the things that God was doing in him and the stuff that was happening in the church services that he was going to and the outpouring of God that they were seeing in their church. And it was foreign to me because I'd never heard of anything in the world before about somebody saying that they felt God. Or all oh, those people laid out all over the floor last night. What are you talking about laid out? What, what, what in the world is that about? And he started telling me about a God that was not only tangible, but a God that would speak to him. And I was like, now I just thought that this was a book that you read and you tried to be good people, you know? And, and here it is. Now I'm starting to understand that this guy's talking about that, that God is not only real, but he speaks to him. And I started to see things out of this guy's life and I started getting a little curious. I didn't tell him about it. But I went home and you know what I did? My grandparents, uh, who had pastored and stuff when I was younger, uh, they gave me a, a Bible. And I never really read it. But I sat down and I started reading through this Bible. Don't start reading the Bible in the book of Revelation, by the way. <laughs> but I, I started reading the Bible and just picking through it. And all of a sudden, I, I started to realize, you know, maybe there is something to this. Because I was in a place in my life, I was, I was a bit hopeless. I didn't know the Lord. I was lost, walking in darkness. And I began to, to read this, and I began to watch this guy's life. And honest to God, standing before you today, 16 years old, didn't know nothing about God, didn't know, know much about the Holy Ghost, standing in my dad's garage at 16 years old. I said, God, I don't even know if you're real, but if you're real and if you love me, and if all this stuff this guy talks about in the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, if all this stuff's real, let me feel it. And guys, for what felt like at least a solid 30 seconds, I felt like I was wired up to 220. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't exactly know what was going on. I just felt something running up and down my back. And I was like, what in the world is going on? And I realized at that given point in time, okay, this dude's real. I don't know nothing about you, but I know you're real. And, and it went on for probably about a week or two. And this guy, this young man, he was having some, they were actually having an outreach at his church. And he, I couldn't drive yet. I was 16. I had my driver's permit, but I couldn't drive. And my parents were smart enough to not let me drive more than 30 minutes away from the house, even if I you know, wanted to. But uh, it was one of those things. I was like, okay, God, I, I don't want to just say that that was a real experience. If you really love me, 
you know that the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good? Do you know it's okay to taste test something? If you're here this morning, you don't know nothing about God. So I I said, okay. All right, this is what we're going to do. This guy is offered to come pick me up, but I'm going to say no. Lord, if you love me the way that that this guy says and the way that this Bible says, and if you're really real and and that experience was real, then this is what I'm asking you to do. If you can get me to that church, it's 30 minutes away from my house, if you can get me to that church without me asking anybody to come get me, telling anybody about what's going on, if you can get me to that church, I'll give my life to you. Now you're thinking to yourself, this guy's an idiot. But okay, in and of itself, I'm just telling you, right? I'm coming from the background. I know nothing about any of this. But I'm just hearing he's a loving God, and I'm having some strange encounters going on. So I said, okay, this is, I'm putting it out there. This is where it's at. Two nights later, maybe, somewhere in that range, I'm sitting at the dinner table. Like I said, we're not churched. We don't go to church. It's just not part of our life. My sister, she's five years older than me. We didn't get along all that well, right, because she's five years older than me, and I'm the annoying young teenage brother, right? She's sitting there at at the table, and she starts talking. She says, so uh, one of my friends is talking about this play they're having at some church. And I just kind of look over. She said, here in a couple weekends, she said, uh, I think I might go to it with her. And of course, this has my attention, right? This is 30 minutes away from where I live. This is not even the place that my parents had even heard of before or she'd even heard of before. And I'm sitting there, and I said, okay. And then the next thing she does, she looks at me. She said, if we go, would you like to go with us? And guys, I could have dropped my fork. And just I, right then and there, I was like, oh, my goodness. And, and you got to understand something. This goes to show you Jesus said he would leave the 99 to find one. I was the one. I was the one. So I told him. I, I said, yes, okay, I'll go. All right. It was a great outreach. They did a wonderful job, but I'll be honest with you. The whole time I was standing in there, I was just waiting for the altar call. because, And the whole time I can, and, and this is the first time I knew I was hearing the voice of God. He said, you said, if I got you here, you give your life to me. So when it comes time for altar call, I don't really even know what they said. I just kind of walked up there. And guys, for the next and the following months after that, like I said, I couldn't drive necessarily at the time. I walked to a local church where it was at. But God would start to speak to me in ways in my bedroom at night. Right? I, I would read the Bible, but I didn't understand how to hear the voice of God. I'd go to sleep and have dreams. I'd ask Him questions. I'd have dreams that night where He'd be answering the questions that I was asking Him. Is that anything great about me? No, that's telling you that He wants to get through to somebody that don't know Him. Amen. And we have the luxury of coming in places like this, right? Every Sunday, every Wednesday, okay? And, and we come in and we get filled up with all this stuff. And, and, and He says in the Word of God, right, that we just read it, that out of your heart, out of your being, would flow rivers of living water. Had it not been for one young man, I'm going to tell you something, he wasn't perfect. He didn't have his theology right. I know that now, okay? But you know what he did have right? He loved the Lord. And there was something that was coming out of his life even though he wasn't perfect. You know what? Just like the woman looked at Jesus and she said, how do you have anything to offer us that's any different? This dude had something to offer that was different. I hadn't seen it before. 16 years old. So guys, we have all of everything that we need. The Bible says that. And in having the Holy Spirit, you have everything that you need. Not only is He a teacher, He's a comforter. And we were even talking Wednesday night about, about putting the old man to death. 
you know, and something flew out to me that never flown out to me before, right? In that we, we talk about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's not our fruit. It's His, which means as we spend more time with Him, Libby, I think, was talking about that, but as you spend more time with Him, that those fruits will start to manifest in your life. You know what one of the fruits of the Spirit is? Self-control. And it was like, how do we do this? How do we do this? Well, I try to do it in and of myself. I try to make myself better. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right, the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. So we as Christians have everything that we need in the presence of God if we're, if we're really in this relationship with Him, if we're really pressing into this... Re- and I'm not trying... This is not for condemnation. We're going somewhere with this, okay? But we've really got everything that we need as Christians no matter what level you're on. I don't care if you just got saved. I don't care if you've been saved for 20 years. I don't care if you've had 150,000 encounters with the Lord or whether you've just had one. It doesn't matter where you're at on the spectrum of it. God wants to do something in your life and God wants to use you to flow out to the people that are around you. Okay? So, in reading this, we, we've already said, okay, that, that we're a tabernacle, right? He shared this during the Feast of Tabernacles when he says that out of, you know, and that's the indwelling of God. Like, like I said, you're, you're a mobile home for the Holy Ghost. Everywhere that you go, He goes with you. So how is it then that we, sometimes we beat ourselves up. Anybody ever, you beat yourself up because you don't feel like you're good enough of a witness? You know? And we think that, well, uh, how, is, how do you do that, right? Because you see some people, their thing is, they'll go out and, and they feel like God's calling them to go out and they'll just go out to, to people that they don't know and they'll do this sort of stuff. And that's one side of it. But you know that one of the most effective types of evangelism, the one that got me anyway, and I've heard it labeled this, is friendship evangelism. You know what that means? Jesus said, in and of, okay, he said, what was the greatest thing, Right? So what's the greatest command? That we would love the God, we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? But that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. That word neighbor can be broke down to mean nearby. Who's nearby you at work? Who's nearby you where you live? God wants to use you to reach those, those people. So the name of this church. And I didn't do this because this is the name of this church, okay? It's River of Life. So we've seen, we've had a few different uh, scriptures that we've read here that talks kind of symbolically about something that's going to flow out of your life. Now, what's interesting about that, when you read about the River of Life, you see it in the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament. That's a literal river. It is. It's a literal river. So we see it in Zechariah. We see it in Ezekiel 47. It's the whole chapter of Ezekiel 47. It says that this river is literally going to flow out of the temple of God from under the threshold of the temple of God. It's going to split two ways, he said. And that it would even go out to the Dead Sea. If you know anything about the Dead Sea, the reason it's called the Dead Sea is because there ain't no life in it. right? But this river that's going to flow out, and this is actually going to happen, okay? That this river that's going to flow out of this temple is going to go down and it's going to heal the waters. Right? And Ezekiel even says that this river is for the healing, or that there's trees and there's growth around this, this river that's going to provide growth to these trees, and that the leaves of those trees will even be for the healing of the nations. Okay? So we read that in Ezekiel 47. If you go to Revelation chapter 22, it talks about the same literal river. And where does it flow out of? It flows out of the temple of God, the house of God. Okay? Heaven, if you want to call it this. 
And, he, and this is what he says in Revelation 22, chapter 1 and 2. He says, and he, he or verse 1 and 2, And he showed me a pure river of, of, of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was a tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healings of the nations. So now we see, not only is there this spiritual river, if you want to call it that, that he's talking about, Anywhere that God dwells, there's a flowing river. That's in the literal, and that's also in the, the spiritual. Okay? So, this is not to be like a condemning message, so I hope you don't take it that way. But I want to share one last thing with you, because it was mind-blowing to me, and it happened to me a couple years ago. And I hope that this encourages you. Because, I, listen, I believe with everything in me that God wants to pour out in this church. But if you want to see an outpouring of God, you know where it's going to pour out of? This guy right here. You. You yourself. You know, we are so bad, okay? I don't even want to get into it. But in the past several years, I've heard more about people's political leanings than I have about their God, okay? I've heard more about what they think. I've heard people say, well, I'll tell you, praise God, things went to pot when they took God out of the schools. No, I'll tell you what happened is when Christians... Stop teaching their kids what they needed to teach because they were too lazy to get into it themselves. I'm sorry. I know that that hurts. I know it hurts. But when we got so lazy that we couldn't go into the presence of God, okay, it's not the school's fault, all right? It's not who's sitting in the White House. You know, who's sitting in the White House has absolutely nothing to do with whether God can outpour in your community or not. But look, Jesus was under Roman rule. You understand that? And he poured out, he healed the sick, he did all these things, and he didn't give a flip about any of those guys and what they had. He came and he tore down the religious if he did anything. And he said, look, this is not the heart of God, so we have to have the heart of God for the people that we're around. We get in this, this habit, right, where we go to work every day, and, and it's just we have to do that to provide for our families. But do you understand that God puts you in the place that you're at? He puts you in the place that you're at. So what if we started getting into the presence of God and we said, okay, I'm not trying to fix myself here, but God, if you could just maybe show me the face of somebody that I work with when I'm praying. If you, if you feel like you've never heard God speak to you, you know what, to me, this, 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 this is where I'm at. Do you know what I believe is, is one of the keys to hearing God? Why don't you start praying for somebody else? And start asking God to show you people that you either work with or you go to school with or that you live nearby, your neighbors, to start showing you somebody that He wants to get to. You may not know how to get to them. You may not know the words for it. But when you start praying those things, you'll not only start hearing from God, but you'll actually get into a place where God can start using you to minister to somebody like me who had never heard of it before. You've got everything you need. I know that that in of itself, right, is, is something that you, you hear that and you're like, I don't know about that, buddy. I don't know if I got everything. No, you do. You have everything you need. I'm going to tell you just a real quick story of something that happened a couple years ago. There was a friend that I worked with. He knew that I was a Christian. I didn't try to shove anything in his face. And I prayed for the guy. But this was completely unexpected to me. I took a group of kids to like a, a conference type thing. It was over like two or three days. And I felt like the Lord the whole time I was, I was pouring out and just, you know, trying to, you know, make sure they were taken care of. And I didn't necessarily come away from that feeling like God had done anything huge in me. 
But I don't know why, but when I got back from that, I got up to go to work one morning, and I just felt like the glory of the Lord had settled on me. That's not an everyday occurrence. I'm just telling you, okay? I, that's not like this guy saying he gets up every morning and God's just all over him. No, absolutely not. There's some mornings I get up and I'm like, oh, I just want to go back to bed, you know? But I got up that morning and, and just God, I couldn't sit still. I, I couldn't function, okay? I, I couldn't, I, I, I was going into work, coming off this, and I'm like, what in the world is this? This is, I, and I, I just prayed, and I know it was God now. I didn't know it at, the, at that given point in time. But I'm walking into the place where I work and I said, God, I need you to help me today because there's something on me right now and I know it's you. <laughs> and, and, and I need you to help me focus today or I'm going to have a hard time getting anything done because my mind feels like it's going in 150,000 directions and it's all good. But I'm just, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm serious. I'm just having a hard time kind of keeping myself composed. And I'm like, and I don't understand why this is going on. This is really weird to me. I said, so Lord, if you can... I pray that you just help me just kind of calm down, right? To get in here and do my job. You know, I'm thinking to myself, these people pay me to come in and do this job. You know what the Lord said to me on the way through the door? He said, not only am I not coming off of you, <laughs> you're going to find out why right here in just a little bit. And I was like, oh, that, I don't know about that. And I kind of pushed it to the side, you know? Ain't it amazing how people can say, God spoke to me, but the truth is, is that you sometimes don't know until later. You know, everybody sounds so confident. But anyway... Uh, you know, God, God literally did say this to me. So I go into work, and I sit down, and there's this guy that sits next to me. It's not the one I'm, I'm telling you about that I've been, you know, kind of witnessing to. This guy turns around to me. He's not a Christian, though. He, he says, are you okay today? And I was quiet. I was minding my own business. I said, yep. He says, okay. He turns back around. It goes maybe 15 seconds. He turns back around. Are you sure you're okay today? Yep. Turns back around. Don't even go a minute. He turns around. Are you, man, what's going on with you this morning? And about this time, this guy that I work really closely with walks into the room. And I was just answering him. I was like, well, look, buddy, you've asked me. I'm going to tell you. I said, well, I don't really know. I said, all I can tell you in a way you get it is it's just a God thing. There's some really cool God stuff going on right now. And the guy said, okay. And he just turned back. He didn't want to hear none of it. You know, but, but the, the guy walked, the fellow that walked in, he took note of it. About two days later, we were getting ready to leave work, and he looks at me and he says, hey, the other day you said there was, that God was doing some cool things. He said, do you mind me asking what you mean by that? Started sharing a little bit with him. It went from talking with him for a couple minutes about it to we sit there for three hours just talking about the Lord. And I don't know how, but the Holy Spirit just, you know, started whatever. And I told and this is crazy, but if you come to know me, like I said, I embrace it. I don't care. God speaks to me in strange ways sometimes, okay? And, and I've just come to the point anymore. I don't apologize for it. It is what it is. All right? He might speak to you through numbers. He might speak to you through just whatever scripture. He, might, he speaks to you in a way that you get it. I believe that. Every believer. But I told this guy, I said, well, I don't know. I said, I was driving through town this week and I saw something on the side of a semi-trailer. And I was like, well, and he, that blew his mind. And he, he leaves there. I asked him, I said, if you want to pray, we'll pray. If not, you know, you can go on. I said, I'm not trying to force anything. And he, he went on. He says on the way home, he started talking to the Lord. And he said, Lord, this guy told me about some of the ways he's heard from you. And he said something about a tractor trailer. He said, I got a, if you love me, I want you to speak to me like that. 
He says, no more than that leaves his mouth, he's on the interstate heading towards Corbin. He looks up and a, and a tractor trailer breezes by him and it says, seize the way. <laughs> and, and he calls me and I just had a sense I was going to be hearing from him before the night was over anyway. He calls me and I'm eating dinner and he said, I got to tell you what happened. And he tells me, he's like, I, I got to go. I said, okay, so he hangs up. And he says, he says he's sitting on the couch and the Lord's messing with him. And his wife don't know what's going on. And she's asking him what's wrong with him. So he calls me back again. I told my wife, I said, this guy ain't going to make it through this night without the Lord getting to him because he's too tore up. So he calls me back and he, and he was crying. And he said, buddy, he said, I went into the closet earlier. He said, and I seized the way. <laughs> and I just laughed. But let me tell you something that I learned out of that. I walked into work. I didn't say a word. Now, I do work with this guy, and I hope to God that I'm a good witness to the people around me, but I ain't perfect. I lose my temper sometimes. It's easy to do, right? But in and of itself, I realized that what got this guy to the place where we could even talk about it was when I walked into, the, into work with something on me that I didn't understand. And something that I thought, to me, was kind of inconvenient. It was convenient, I'll tell you, but it was inconvenient at the same time. So all that to say this. Sometimes it's not so much about what you say. It is about the way you act. It's not always about shoving something in somebody's face. But what if we, as believers, put even... We, we talk about working for the Lord and doing all this other stuff. What if we pushed some of that to the side? Not completely to the side, but we pushed it to the side for just a second. What if we as believers got to a place where we were more about practicing the presence of God in our own lives? So it's not so much about, uh, you know, well, I'm, I need to go and preach to somebody at work because the Bible says no. Listen, he told one, it was the church of Laodicea, right? He says, you're not hot, you're not cold. You know, because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. If you don't get it straightened out. And he tells them, he says, go back and do your first works again. I think for me, you know, some people look at that and say first works for like, well, salvation, you know, coming back to them and just trying to get your life squared back up. I do that every day. I don't have to get saved every day. But I, Paul says in himself, he said, I have to die daily, right? So we have to, I heard a preacher say just back a few weeks ago, it was hilarious. He said, everybody, he said, now in the Christian world wants to talk about your best life now. You know, and, and, and I'm not trying to name a preacher out of that. And I'm not even saying it's a bad book. I'm just, just anyway. <clears throat> But it was like just one of those things. We want to get to a place where we're more about like God trying to make us and our life look good, like living the American dream and, and having all of these things, and that's what Christianity is supposed to look like, right? But he said, you know, God wants to kill you. <laughs> God wants you to die. And, and we hear that. And, now listen, if you're a kid and you're hearing that, please understand I'm not trying to say God wants you to die. I'm talking about spiritually in a sense that He wants you to die to your own wants and desires. He wants you to deal, die to your own will. Okay? He wants you to die to every single decision that you would ever make. Now, what do you mean? Now, Jesus over here said, I must need to go through Samaria. He probably didn't say it like that, but that's why the King James says it. Okay? But anyway, He said, i got to go through Samaria. Why do you think He had to go through Samaria? Because He said that He got along with the Father. He said, I only do what I see my Father do. What if we were actually spending enough time in the presence of God that we were seeing what God wanted us to do that day at work? What if we were spending enough time in God that we were seeing and hearing a word of knowledge for somebody that we work with? 
And, and we think to ourselves, well, I'm not that spiritual. I'm not in that place. Listen, let me tell you something. If you put yourself in a spot in between yourself and an unbeliever, okay, you put your, yourself in the spot between God and an unbeliever, and you say, hey, Lord, use me to get to this person, you'll start hearing and seeing things you ain't never seen before, brother or sister. You'll start seeing the gifts of the Spirit flow out of your life. I'll never forget the first time I was like, I hadn't even been saved that long. I was at school and I just thought that I, because this had happened for me and that somebody was trying to pour out, this river of God was trying to pour out of me, I said, well, Lord, I, I, I don't really know what to do here. And I, and I heard the Lord speak to me. didn't know it was Him at the time. Again, like I said, but I knew it a few minutes later. He spoke to me. He said, you see that boy over there? His middle name is Lee. Honest to God. That, his, his middle name is Lee. And I'm like, what's that got to do with anything? He said, walk up to him and ask him if his middle name's Lee. So I walk up and I'm thinking, man, I'm an idiot. This guy's middle name's probably Rutherford or something like that, you know? <laughs> I walk up to him and I said, hey, Ricky. He looks at me and I said, is your middle name Lee? He said, yep. I said, the Lord just told me your middle name and He wants you to know that He loves you. Within a week, he gave his heart to the Lord. Just working with him. Look here. This ain't about this dude right here. This ain't about me. I'm not trying to stand up here and say, look at what I did. Listen, I'm an idiot. I'm an absolute moron. Okay? I will tell you that myself. I have not been perfect. I've not done everything right. But I will tell you this much. It ain't about you. It ain't about what you know to do, how many books you've read, how many conferences you've hopped, how many people that you've sat under and you've listened to them. It doesn't matter. If you are a Christian, He wants to pour out of you. That's why in Matthew chapter 9, at the very end of it, He said to His disciples, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that He would send laborers into the harvest. And whether you know this or not, our Bible wasn't originally written with chapters and verses. That was added a little bit later to be able to try to, as a point of reference. Okay? So when you look at the end of Matthew 9, and He said, Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into His harvest. And you go to the beginning of chapter 10, it says, So He called them to Himself, and He sent them out. That was quick, you know, and, and it was like the Lord speaking to me and just saying, look, he told me a couple years ago, he said, I want you to focus on the fields. Don't focus on any of the junk going on in the world. Don't focus on any of the junk that people's getting tore up over in politics. Don't, don't start thinking that your hope's going to be coming from somewhere else other than me. Get your mind and your eyes set on me and focus on the fields because I'm, there's some bad stuff going on in the world. I ain't getting into all of it today, but I feel even the Lord spoke some things to me about times that's coming even within the next year. I ain't getting into it. But I'm just telling you, what if things got to a point, okay, whether it was economy, whatever, what if things got to a point, would you lose where your hope's at? Because when it comes down to it, we need to be the most hopeful people. 